The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. I don't make them. And sometimes I see a tempest in a teapot and wonder what all the fuss is about. In 12, 24, 48 months, will it matter? Will it matter in 48 hours? If the answer is no, why would you waste energy on discussing it or finding a solution? Well, such are the crises of this week, as portrayed by the mainstream media. First came Hasbro, announcing that it's retiring Mr. Potato Head in favor of a more generic neutral potato head. Oh, my God. We must protect the tender young minds of our toddlers now from gender stereotypes. You know, I've raised a son and he is raising two daughters whom I adore. All three of them played with the same Mr. Potato Head. I kept it in a mesh bag in the family room in a drawer all those years. It's gone on now to a new set of children. But, you know, my son and later my granddaughters assembled it and disassembled it for hours in the toddler years, finding it seemingly fascinating until they matured to an interest in trains and other sorts of more complicated to assemble toys. To them, the achievement was the assembly process. I can't remember a moment when they saw their own identity in the figure. There was never a suggestion of a relationship between their gender and potatoes. All of that said, what a kerfuffle in the media, if not in the halls of Congress about the cancel culture of Mr. Potato Head. Here are some observations about child rearing that might help to lower the temperature on the sexuality of infants, toddlers, and pre-Kers. Except for changing their diapers and the predominant color of their wardrobes chosen by their mothers, I didn't really notice a big difference. There was more in similarity, in fact, than there was in difference, except of course, for the diapering technique. But when it came to walking, talking, and bulking at certain foods and making the demand for a drink of water post-bedtime a nightly ritual, all three of them precisely at age two and a half, well, you know, their behavior was consistent, regardless of the gender. They also played with dolls, you know, action figures or dolls, guys, toys that required them to assemble and disassemble, smeared paints and silly putty all over themselves, jumped into mud puddles, their glee in direct ratio to how clean their clothes were at the time. Or I mean, before they got into the mud puddle. Gender beyond pointing and saying boy or girl during their Mr. Potato Head years Well, the whys and the wherefores didn't really exist for them, leading me to conclude that there are too many overly anxious parents 
who are too concerned about the gender of a multi-part plastic toy. So mom and dad, just relax. Kids tend to, they come in two standard varieties. You know, I was a tomboy. I climbed trees, I played king on the mountain atop the haystacks, I rode Western saddle in preference to English, although I know how to ride both. I preferred a boy's bike because that's what my big brother had. I demanded only a tetherball court for my 12th birthday. I mean, I didn't want anything else. I just wanted a tetherball court. But I picked out girly dresses and Chanel suits for dress-up occasions for going to weddings or shopping expeditions to the big city or birthday parties or school dances. And my parents, my dad being a psychologist himself, never worried for a second about my tomboy exploits. Except when I broke my arm, losing my throne atop the haystack to my brother. My son is incredibly artistic. And he took to cooking about the same time he took to martial arts. And he still excels at all three of those things. But it never occurred to me that his interest in cooking resulted from anything except his enjoyment of the product. My advice to parents is take a rest. Just set, step back and enjoy your children. Putting a mustache on Mr. Potato Head is not what made you neurotic. It was the society that questioned the mustache as the final piece of the assembled toy that made you neurotic. And before you censor Mr. Potato Head, think about all the bearded dads out there. Personally, I greatly prefer Mr. Potato Head's neatly trimmed mustache to the unkempt bushes hanging off way too many faces I see every day. Just imagine the aberration of one of those bushes carrying a glass of water into a dark bedroom. You know what? That would scare anybody, not just a two-and-a-half-year-old toddler. And don't even get me started on Dr. Seuss, which should have been canceled before its first printing. The readings were dramatic. The rhythm, however, did the trick, putting the toddlers to sleep. It was only later when I read the kids the original Grimm fairy tales, that's the Brothers Grimm with two M's, and those tales really are Grimm with one M, that issues of morality and good and evil were part of the story time discussion, the generational transmission of family and social values. And that happened in, let's say, third, fourth grade, so if Dr. Seuss's heirs want to stop circulating green eggs and ham, the combination actually sounds terrible to me, it's their choice. Now, on a more serious note, also this week, we are being treated to the latest in Me Too. Me Too style charges of sexual harassment against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. You know what? New York's governor is a boor. That's as distinguished from a bore. He's egotistical, mercurial, driven Italian and over 50. He may be over 60. He probably is, but I didn't bother to look it up. That he's done some things he should be embarrassed and apologetic about to both men and women on his staff over the years. Well, there is no news there. He has said some incredibly inappropriate 
things to women in his office who were closer in age to his daughters than they were to him. But kissing a woman on the hand in public is hardly sexual assault or even harassment. It is, in fact, bad judgment. You know, I'd be rich if I got a dime every time a gentleman who was not my husband has gently put a hand on my back to steer me through a crowd. I'm a teeny tiny person. You know, a, a grown man normally thinks it's dangerous for me to be in a crowd surging toward a door. Or, you know, we've engaged in a quick hug at greeting. Haven't seen you in a while. Hi, how are you? Leading me to suggest to the accuser who complained that the governor put his hand on, on her bare back at a wedding, you know what, if you don't want strange men in social settings that are fueled by affection, family, and alcohol to touch your bare back, then wear a dress that covers your, low, your lower back. Because at weddings and other events featuring cocktails, a well-meaning man is likely to put his hand on your back, guiding you out of the crowd's path or whatever. The belated cries of sexual harassment mask the governor's real transgression, fudging the nursing home COVID death numbers. Now there is a scandal. So I predict that the governor is going to announce very soon that he's not running for re-election in 2022. And that will end that scandal. And then there's the latest, a Shakespearean level tempest in a teapot, the talk of the nation, the talk of the free world for the last two days. Oprah's interview with Meghan and Harry. Oh my, 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 where to begin? Megan may have left the USA first for Canada and then for London relatively briefly, but she never left Hollywood. Her answers to predictable questions were carefully crafted daggers aimed at the heart of the Windsor court. What was unclear to me was the motive. Does she want to make sure that Elizabeth is the last monarch in England? Does she feel a duty to free her brother-in-law from what Harry called William's captivity? Or was it to capitalize on the current American wokeness about race? Now, she has a point about the British tabloids, the British people, and race. But to capitalize, I mean acquire capital beyond that which has already been inked with Spotify and Netflix to the tune of $100 million, I wonder if one of her motives was that kind of capital. The Washington Post had two interesting takes Monday in their opinion section, and I thought one of them was very cleverly titled, Meghan Markle spoke to all of us. It's time for us princesses to unionize. It's a tongue-in-cheek piece covering the trials and tribulations of being a fairy tale princess, including those that were either adopted or created by Disney and company. It ends with what the two journalists on the, who have byline would suggest is Kate Middleton's position. Say they on behalf of Kate, I don't think we need a union. 
I found the most woke thing, Megan's confession that she'd been so distraught during the final stages of her pregnancy that she considered suicide. Pure and simple, as the British would say, rubbish. Oh, poor dear. The palace would not let her get care. Was she a prisoner in the tower? You know, I'm sure there's more to this story, but it was, after all, an Oscar-worthy performance. Pregnancy is always a time of crazy emotional swings for most women, not just actresses turned princess. Enough. You get it. I'm not buying the poor Megan. They've been so mean to me. Cashing in from the top of an ivory tower on the real racial issues and the real mental health issues that confront everyday Americans and Brits every single day by dressing them up in a fairy tale is more exploitative than woke. And just when I thought nothing could top a woke Duchess of Sussex and her rescued chickens and dogs and husband, along came Bagelgate. Yes, yes, Bagelgate. A poor fellow in Ohio thought bringing bagels to the office was a nice gesture. And I agree wholeheartedly. But the whole thing blew up into an Associated Press story when a picture of the bagels, which he had inadvertently sliced vertically, you know, into bread slices instead of horizontally for a schmear. Well, when that picture went viral on social media, momentarily, the incorrect slicing of a couple of bagels was transformed into a crime against society, if not all bakeries. Or was it just irretrievably stupid to be pitied and belittled? Oh my goodness. Speaking only for myself, I am so exhausted by this week of wokefulness, I think I need a nap followed by a really good spy thriller. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.